Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Holdcast. Jack Grimsey alongside James Rushton for 7500tohold.com. How's it going, James? It's uh, going well. Um, we'll see how I feel after Saturday, to be fair. It's going all right at the moment. How about you? Is everything good? Yeah, I mean, I've had, had some time to get over the Arsenal loss, which I mm. think it's it was inevitable, but it's it still sucks. Yeah, I mean... You want to play. You want to be a part of every game story, don't you? You don't want to just be the losers. You want to have a, a part to play in every in the story that every football match has to tell. And unfortunately, that's been the case with Villa, where they haven't had even a look in against teams like Arsenal and Man United. So, yeah, uh, I didn't expect anything from it, but there we go. Move on to the next one, I guess. But... Yeah, but I mean, even even when you don't expect maybe even a point. From it, it still hurts just conceding the oh, way that you posted the the what the gif of the the second goal. Yeah, um, I actually forgot about that, and it's making me incredibly angry thinking <laughs> that football. I mean, I'm not sure how it is over in the states, but when I'm growing up as a kid, we're always taught this thing where you never let an attacking triangle of players approach you. You always have to form a triangle to combat that, and it's like. They forgot this basic rule of football. Like you don't, and it's three of world-class players as well. It's not like it's just like a defender up there. It's Erzil, Ramsey, and Giroud, and like it's insane that there's players playing in the Premier League that can not d- defend that. Like, yeah, you talk about how good how good those guys are. Just. The Villa players, yeah, because you the end of the spectrum, really. That's what they you know, look like. You know? That part in The Simpsons where uh, Bart floats, um, does a, the freeze frame on Ralph as his heart breaks <laughs> when he's crying. You yeah. can literally see the point where they stop trying. Like Scott Sinclair is bombing it on the right, and he would have caught up. But there's no doubt in my mind he would have been in a position to defend on the right, meaning you know whoever's on the right, whoever two can move into a central position to stop covering the right. But he stops, and that's like that's completely unacceptable. I don't care if you're a striker, you know, you're not meant to be there. You have to support the players that are under pressure. And the only person who did that was a core who ended up getting caught out. And Les Scott, who was too far behind, so oh god, oh, I remember that is making me furious. I'm shaking, I'm like shaking. God. <laughs> All right, sorry, sorry for bringing that up. I think, <laughs> I don't know if too much else really to say about about the Arsenal match just because. Yeah, I mean, seeing that goal live made me furious. My, my dad was just like, how? He was just like, usually you get annoyed when they score goals. Everyone's like, oh, doing all this with the hands and getting all annoyed. and going, but I was just like, how? Just that? I was just hands in the air like, how does that happen? Was it right after looking. right after that you posted on your Snapchat that picture of your dad and he was just <laughs> yeah. disgusted? Oh. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. He was just staring at the floor and he was just like, should I go down the stairs and have a beer? And I was like, I think we should just leave. Like, <laughs> I think we should just go. There was just so much excitement. It was it was a pretty good snap story. It was walking up to the ground, uh, the, the Phantom Menace theme playing and getting into it, you know. And yeah, I mean. And then the match starts and shit. So it's a spectacle. I mean, that, that massive song plays. And when I took my girlfriend to the Watford match, she was like, it's a bit overdramatic, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, actually, it really is because we aren't winning anything at the moment. 
maybe we should have some like I said to um, people on Twitter, maybe we should have some Black Sabbath or something Birmingham to play just to give it a bit of kick and uh, have some fun. But we're playing this, like some funeral music, some dramatic music, and it's like, oh my god, like we aren't gonna win. We, there's no, there's no hype here. There's, there's nothing. Yeah, uh, yeah, just something, something really sad that we're doomed. I think I just think they should have it like silent, but the occasional um, Samsung no- notification, you know, the bird ch- to like chirping, <laughs> no, that's something like that, like, <laughs> the cough and some stuff like something being dropped. But yeah, it is pretty. Like I can't tell you more about the situation at uh, Villa Park than it's just dead. Like it is really, really dead there. There's no vibe. It's just bland and oh god, yeah. Well, I guess guess it's lucky that we're away this week at Newcastle, yeah. which is <laughs> too. Oh my uh, god! Yeah. Later, yeah. but um, first first thing uh, I wanted to bring up again: transfer rumors, mostly just because the Gabby Bonlahor situation after yeah. that Arsenal game, he was he took the trip down to London with the Arsenal players to go party with them at their at their Christmas party. Yeah, I mean. I'd want I want to be more angry about that, but I just can't. I just I don't have it in me to get angry about this. I mean, like as a human being, you know, an adult man, he's free to do whatever he wants. But I just feel really like petty. I'm like, what does he get to celebrate with his Arsenal? What does he get to go and have a drink with his Arsenal players? I mean, Giroud is literally like this, like this to Villa fans, you know, like yeah, <laughs> like that's just a piss take, man. Like. Oh God, I'm getting angry. I'm getting <laughs> really angry. Again. I'm much more annoyed with with this than with Grealish going out. You know it. Yeah, because don't, don't go celebrate or don't go drinking with the other team. Yeah, but he has a role, doesn't he? As this is, I mean, we all laughed it off. He's the mascot and everyone. He's a club captain. He's not. He really is the just a mascot that should lead yeah. the team out in the field and then <laughs> shake yeah. hands with the other team's kids. This role is so important, and it is to be Mister Villa and be there and. When he's called up to, you know, as an opportunity on the pitch, he does deliver. But more importantly, he's got to deliver off the pitch and make sure he's his presence walking around, making sure everyone's lifted up. They're all doing their jobs and, you know, all the young people can go to him about stuff. And he's just out there getting pissed with Arsenal fans after they mocked the whole end. You know what I mean? That's like, yeah, maybe another day, but God. Not not the same day. Come on. (laughs) Damn it, Gabby, man. Why? Yeah. There. Then again, there's a part of me that thinks Gabby just genuinely doesn't know any better, and it's like, whatever. Yeah. I mean, like he's he doesn't seem to be a malicious person. Like he just seems to be a bit thick, and like I love him, but he does seem to have real thick skin, real kind of like not much intelligence to him. You know what I mean? Like it's always one direction. That's forward. That's it. There's no nuance or tact. But yeah, but I mean, he's free to do whatever he wants, but it's just a bit like, oh, come on, Gabby. Get yeah, it together. And then uh, I think I was seeing either yesterday or today uh, saying that reports were saying that he got into a fight with guard. And <laughs> yeah. Guard and surprise, I guess. Yeah, I mean, but what is there to get a fo- into a fight about? I mean, you're chosen to play for Aston Villa on your ability as a player shown in A, matches and B, trainings, and clearly he's not done enough to be selected. 
So to get selected, he just needs to perform at a level where he can be selected. It's not like rocket science. I mean, we can all get angry for no reason. I know you might get angry at your manager and I might get angry at my manager in like working life, but you can you can literally see the solution to his issue. <laughs> <laughs> and no, he just gets annoyed about it. And if there was a disagreement, that's fine. But Remy God just he seems to have his head screwed on and you know, he seems to be a good person and he knows what he's doing and clearly he's not picked Gabby for a reason. And that's fine. Yeah, and and from Gabby's perspective, I could see him being annoyed because Rudy just dead simply isn't really performing, and maybe he's thinking, "Oh, at least I should get a shot." But yeah, on the other I hand, mean, if you're not doing anything in training, why do you deserve to get a shot? Yeah, I think it comes down to that he's entitled to have his opinion. He's just not entitled to be in the team. Um, you know, Gestead's place is up for grabs, um, but Gabby and uh, Gestead—they're not like mutually exclusive. Well, they are mutually exclusive. They're pretty much the same person. They've got one thing to... At the moment, they have one thing to their game. And I'd rather have Gisted's one thing than Gabby's one thing. Um, I mean, Gabby can break behind the line, but that's it. Gisted can actually be a pivot for the attack where you kick the ball at him and you hope he can turn around with it and bring people towards him. Whereas Gabby, you got to hope a ball breaks loose behind the line and he can get onto it. So I'm not sure what I'd actually rather have, to be honest. Yeah, it's it's yeah. really diff- difficult situation, I guess, and maybe the the bust up with guard fueling fueling the fire of yeah. rumors that he could be gone in January. And I mean, if if so, like we've said, if he's going to go, and if Kozak's going to go, we'll probably get another striker. Yeah, um, it's a good thing. I mean, Gabby has done a lot for Aston Villa. There's a lot of, to be completely honest. He his form right now is pretty bad but going back on his history of us you know he hasn't really put a foot wrong I mean he's just played and it's he it can't be, it can't be tied down to him too much like his form dropped off you know you get old you lose your ability but he's not that old but I think maybe a move to I think I'll send the MLS a bit not like top level MLS like uh, one of the bottom tiers or maybe an expansion club he can just get a nice payout and play at a level of football where he can grow into and l- actually like learn what it's all about again. Justin <laughs> Villa is just too high pressure for him. It's he, just a, it's yeah. just kind of unfortunate that he had the best part of his career when Villa were actually good and not now when they really could have used 10 goals a season from him. Yeah, I mean, it, you, you spot on there. But um, I don't know what, what the jam is with him. You know, I don't know what the deal is. Um <laughs> He's just very a one-dimensional player, and football has evolved in the last five years so fast, and it's become a completely different game. You can't just run really fast anymore, and that's pretty much that. He's been caught out on that. But when we end up in the championship at the end of the season, it'll be useful next year. Sounds <laughs> law that the championship will evolve as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I hope it. No it's like I don't care if he goes, and I don't care if he stays. He's just he's done what he was asked to do in, in the past. That's enough for me. If he goes, that's fine. You know, he can continue his career. But I think staying in England would be a bad choice for him because it's just it's just a high drop off point. I remember Lee Hendry is this player of similar that like, I can pin his story to. You know, his ability to decline due to personal issues. And he moves to Sheffield United and then he's turning up for Tamworth two years later. Like that is such a steep fall. And I think going elsewhere 
you know you can get a bit of money in you can like uh, have a higher reputation elsewhere and you can be a, a franchise player you know he's not a bad footballer he can go somewhere else and create such a real impact and you know we can get a lot of money for it so i think gabby go for it go somewhere that will take you yeah maybe maybe miami i know he's he's been a couple times there before when maybe when they get an mls team um but i guess that that kind of ties us into the first of our or one of our twitter questions we actually get a lot today so yeah this one was from Ian B at folic acid. Okay, my question is: Where next? Do we build for the championship, or do we build to survive? Ooh. Can it be both? I mean, you can build to survive as well as building for the championship by not doing what QPR did and buy expensive players in the hope that they stay up. Yeah, expensive old players. I think yeah. that's that's just the worst thing you can do. But I'd be careful here because if you buy reckless in January. You are done. And I think that leads us into another uh, question about who picks the players and what's best. I think that's from Adam as well. We're going to both of them in a go where if we're going down and the manager leaves, do you really want the manager who could possibly leave? I know we said he's staying, but you know, you, another club that with a better situation may come in for him. He's a good manager. So if he goes, do you really want him picking players that someone else might not use? Or do you want it all coming down on his head? And I think it's a fantastic option if he stays for him to have all this uh, weight. But if he goes and we're stuck with loads of players at his board, then we stay up and we're in a similar situation, you know, and where we need to buy mercenaries, where we buy mercenaries. Um, there's no real right, right or wrong answer. Uh, it is a, it is a hard one. Yeah, it's it it is tricky, and you, I mean, you think if we do go down, you you know that going into the summer, you can start getting the players that you that you want for then, you know, I guess rather yeah. than, rather than buying them now, but it, it really is tricky. And it, I think it still depends on how we do against Newcastle, how we do against West Ham. Yeah. And I guess it's, in January, you can't really go give up. You can't give up in the Premier League. I mean, even if you are the lowest on the bottom of the table, you can't just go, yeah, we're just going to sub this season. It's not like the NFL where you can literally t- almost tactically lose to get the number one draft pick. If you lose and go down, that's it. Like you can't just give up. You have to keep trying because there's always situations where you know miracles always can happen. Well, not always. Miracles can happen in the Premier League. You know, Leicester were in the same situation. Now they're top. That to yeah, me, they had ten points at Christmas last year. But I'm just thinking if if we play three more matches and we're still on six points, Ooh, maybe yeah. Then you start to look at players who could help you next year and yeah, try to get them some experience this year. And yeah, you'll have to buy smart. Like, as I said, you'll have to prepare, buy players who you can start now and hope that they will improve the squad for survival. But you've also got to buy the type of players you've got to stock in them to stay with Villa when they go down. Um, Newcastle did it very well when they went down. They, almost, they came back up with almost the same team and it allowed players like Andy Carroll to develop, which is similar to Jack Grealish. Like Jack Grealish, and even Nathan Baker and Callum Robinson, you know, even now Jordan Lydon, all these players can grow and play together. So it's not so much of a question as we need anyone when we go down to the championship because we've already got a team when we go down to the championship. It's about buying carefully and making sure we can you know, create a foundation for the talent we've already got. Oh, and and one more thing, I guess, I, on on the Gabby issue. If if Gabby leaves, the player with the most goals for the club will be Kieran Clark with six. 
may as well uh, put him up front now. Which is that was <laughs> yeah. kind of scary, but or league goals, I guess, because Sinclair. Someone had mentioned Sinclair when I saw the stat, and that was obviously just goals scored for Villa. But yeah, but yeah, um, I mean, it's, it comes back to that question: Who do you think will stay as well? And it's like, do you think Scott Sinclair can go down to there as well uh, again to the Championship? Do you think Rudy Gisted can go down? Do you think Jordan Ayew will stay with us? Uh, Carlos Hill as well. Do you think uh, the squad could be tore apart? Yeah, I mean, it, it's obviously it's impossible to know who has what kind of clauses in their yeah. contracts, but especially yeah. this when coming into it, relegation didn't look like as much of a worry really as it has in, had in years past. Yeah, uh, it's definitely something. I feel like I can't answer it confidently at this time. I can't give something that I feel wow, that is the answer I believe in. I feel like it's something that we're really going to have to wait until after January, after that, to the end of January now and see, because that will definitely be the proof of if we're going down or not. Our position by the end of January will death tell us all. The teams above us, they're picking up wins, yeah. Newcastle are picking up wins and they're getting points. Bournemouth are getting points. But they could progress while teams above them slip. And you, you don't know, with the Premier League, you don't know what will happen. Nothing's a given anymore. You used to think that. You used to think, oh, Man City will be top. You know, Arsenal will be top. Chelsea will be top. But that's clearly not not the narrative this season. So we've got to see what happens with the teams before. I mean, it's easy to sign us off. I'd, I'd say we are. We do have about a 70% chance at this point of getting relegated. And that will obviously improve with results over, over the festive period. But we've really got to wait and see. Um, until maybe Chris, uh, the end of January, see what will happen. Yeah, um, I guess let's go with a funny one for the next one. What <laughs> this is from Alf Wallace? What does the panel think of the pedestrianisation of the Norwich City Centre? <laughs> I think pedestrianisation is a good thing because I don't drive and cars get a bit scary sometimes. Um, I almost got run over today, actually, uh, on a uh, pedestrian crossing because uh, someone weren't looking. But yeah, pedestrianisation seems to be a good thing for city centres, so you can actually get where you're going. <laughs> I, I haven't been to Norwich, but yeah, I, I guess <laughs> I haven't been to Norwich either. But I just thought I'd try and answer it to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess. I mean, d- does that mean that they have horse uh, or mounted police there? Because we had a question to the next match um, where we play Newcastle where a fan actually punched a horse in the head. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to laugh at animal cruelty, but you have to have some real insidious, like the potential for some real insidious behaviour to dare punch a horse in the mouth. A beautiful stallion. In the head. I mean, says it all about Newcastle fans, I think, to be fair. Yeah, and um, I guess the question we got along those lines is how are we going to handle these absolute knobbers in black and white? And you said with whiskey and not shitty Newcastle <laughs> brown ale. And Ben Hayden responded, I've rebranded it horse punch. <laughs> <coughs> oh, God. Oh, uh, the chuckle at that one. But the serious answer to that would be, 
when some Villa fans laughed at Newcastle going down, it's because at that point in time, we were a good team and they were a bad team. And it was just hilarious how, you know, they pinned their hopes on Kevin Keegan. Yeah. You know, he's not the he's not the most you know, prestigious of managers. He's a great he was a great footballer, he's an English footballing legend. But he didn't really I don't think he made his mark in legend. And he comes back at, after years out of the game and he's suddenly this Messiah figure. And then Alan Shearer is a Messiah figure, all these people that can pin their hopes on. And I guess it was a humorous situation that this bad club fell down after hoping they'd be up and the, the pretentious beliefs they had that they were this massive football team. And to an extent they are. Now it's the same thing. Villa are a bad team. Newcastle are a bad team. They're laughing at a bad team. So it's like, uh, just have to take it on the chin. Move move forward. <laughs> no, we're a bad team. They're a bad team. They laugh at us. We laugh at them. It's just going to be one of those ones. Yeah, and I mean, the, start to get into that, the preview of that game, they've won two in a row against yeah. Spurs. So I mean, I mean, they're, they're in good form, trying to dig themselves out. Yeah, and they are. Um, Newcastle have a very good team. It's like it's almost seen Aston Villa. We have players like Jordan Ferrer too, who were you know high high rated talents. And Carlos Sanchez played admirably in the uh, was it the Copa America last uh, in the summer? Yeah, well, yeah. So you know we have players of the quality at Newcastle. We almost have an, in the similar in a way. Without Wijnaldum, we have a, a very similar team. So we should be achieving that. We clearly, we clearly aren't. Yeah, after what I watched Newcastle versus Liverpool, and I was praying that Newcastle would lose. Not be, not because you know I want Newcastle to lose, but they have to for Villa to get out of the position they are in. I mean, I hate the fact that we have to now hope that other teams lose so we can improve. That's what it's become now. Watching these games and going, oh, please slip up, please. Yeah, exactly. Stop. I mean, personally, I don't have anything against Newcastle, but no, of course not. No. They're just somebody who needs to go down if if we're to go up. I mean, yeah, I mean. I hate feeling that way about Bournemouth as well. I mean, their story is amazing. Being a Bournemouth fan right now would be incredible, but they have to go down so we can stay up. You know, it's a horrible feeling, but, you know, it's survival of the fittest. And I hope that these clubs don't have the fortune they've had going forward. I mean, it's horrible to say that, but as an Aston Villa fan, I have to be perfectly biased. And I want failure to meet these clubs at every fixture. I want to win. I want us to win. I guess as an Aston Villa podcast, everyone will be along the right lines of that. But as a football fan, I don't feel I'm comfortable with that because I love the story of Bournemouth and Newcastle dragging themselves out. It's pretty amazing, but that's not the story I want. I want Aston yeah. Villa to be there. The story of Chelsea struggling is also <laughs> great, and yeah, it's fantastic. They, they sacked Mourinho today, which is just hilarious. Because I mean, what what do you think that? This new guy's going to save you now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, get you in Champions League spot, or it's not going to be like a couple of years yeah. ago when Di Matteo took over mid-season no, to yeah. run out of the Champions League. So yeah. he'll like, finish sixth, I think. That was when Newcastle actually finished fifth. Yeah. Wow. Spurs finished fourth, of course. Mm. Wow. Well, how times change. But yeah, um, Mourinho's power was rumored to be at forty million pounds, which was identical to the year. Sale of Benteke and Dalf, which is just outstanding. Outstanding. Yeah, but he's got paid out our entire transfer budget. <laughs> he might not end up end up getting it because there's there's the the lawsuit possibly with oh the yeah Mario, the doctor. And <sighs> if she makes forty million off the back of that, she wouldn't make an entire amount. 
if she makes money off the back of that, that's amazing. She's done very well. No, no, I don't. I don't think she's going to make that much. It's just that um, Abramovich won't have to pay Mourinho that much because <laughs> fired with cause. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But um, yeah, I mean, it's all went downhill since that happened. Someone's got to be going on at that football club that's in the background because there's no way players like quality should all drop off the face of the earth at the same time. Yeah, you th- yeah. I mean, you talk about our squad underperforming, and the, you look at Chelsea, and that's just. The yeah, next Chelsea. Chelsea remind me of the old FIFA games where you could unlock like the world class team, and it had all these players like it was like FIFA World Cup 02. So you had Mark Levine, Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, all of this team. It's kind of like Chelsea. They got Costa, you know, Eden Hazard, Thibaut Courtois, and you know even Asmir Begovic stuff. People like that, like, just you know, being a world team, either on the bench or in the team, like, all these fantastic players across the team, and they're like what nine, ten points above Villa right now. Yeah, they they only have three losses fewer than we do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, when you think of that, Aston Villa situation cannot be that bad if Chelsea are, you know, three point lucky points away from them. One of those losses was against us. So if you imagine if we'd dragged the result out of that game, how the yeah, tables would have turned? Exactly. <laughs> But I think that would mean they'd actually be in the relegation zone as well. They're only, I believe they're only three points out of it. Yeah, I think so. Oh, God. So, yeah. I mean, Chelsea are the perfect litmus test in the fact that they are, we're nine points behind us and it can't be that bad. It can't be as bad as it looks, surely. <laughs> um, so, let's let's go into to the Newcastle game. Oh, Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> they're... They're just a little bit ahead of us, but still more than twice the points that we have. Oh, God. Um, Sitting in, they're in 15th. Oh, God, I guess they have 10 points more than us after after that, that Spurs win 2-1 they pulled out last weekend. But, I mean, it's it's really a tightly congested pack. Burden is still, like you were saying, still in the mix with 16 points. Again, 10 points more than Villa, but really 10 Ten points can be made up quite quickly if you like. We were talking about Leicester last year. Yeah, I mean, there's so much fixtures over the next month. Um, it's impossible to see that. If it's, I seriously believe that if they get one win, they will all start falling in. As soon as they get this thing that they realise, oh, we can actually win a football game. You know, it's not rock. You know, it's not this that they have to discover something. They just need to get a lucky goal. They need to find something in there get that deflection in and need to find something in them where they can scrap out a one nil and move on to the next game prepared to know that they can actually win a football game I think there is a, a real confidence crisis in Aston Villa now where players are getting put under so much pressure to, to be the hero every single match I mean we did see against Arsenal a lack of effort but that's also the side of the confidence crisis when they already have the result played out for them they knew that, that the goal was coming from that event but I guess most of the players gave up and go, oh, it's going to happen. Why expend the energy to prevent it? Let it happen and maybe we can score a goal back. Um, I hope that we can get a win against Newcastle because we need to turn it down, uh, turn it around. And a win against someone that, you know, there's 10 points of us that puts them in the rele- that puts them in this relegation battle. Because if I go to the table, you know, Norwich have got 14 points. Anyone on 16 points going through. So that's Bournemouth, Newcastle, Chelsea and Swansea are in this relegation battle now. 
and that's Chelsea at one point, not three points out of the relegation zone. So it is a dire, dire situation for anyone going from 14 because it's so congested. Aston Villa are the outlier. But in a way, we've had all these tough games now. We've played all the games that we would definitely lose. Um, we've played Arsenal, we've played City, we've played United, and we've played Chelsea. Those are games that I know we wouldn't win. So hopefully something can kick on now because I think one win sparks it all off. And uh, fingers crossed it is on Saturday. I'd hope that as a Villa fan, I'd say it'll be 2 0 to Villa on our Saturday, 2 1 even on Saturday. I believe a more realistic result would be 1 1 or 0 0. Yeah, and, and like you're saying, um, maybe against a team not like Arsenal, a team that you know is not mm. world class, you, you have some more confidence to go out there and actually believe in yourself that you could get a result. But Yeah, I mean, Newcastle need to win every game going forward, like Aston Villa, to you know, confirm that they're staying up. But there will be so much more pressure on them playing a team like Aston Villa than against Liverpool and uh, Tottenham. Because those teams... I don't know, it's, all, it's like that result's always fit, already featured, already um, you know known or predicted. But against Aston Villa, they know they've got to beat Aston Villa because we'll be, if we get those wins, we'll be biting on them. We'll be trying to pull them down. So there'll be so much pressure on them to win this match that we could actually steal something. I might, I know that might not happen with the, the crisis we're currently in, the players and the lack of effort and the lack of chemistry. But I mean, if we can get, you know, we need to get this one against Newcastle and uh, maybe we can put the pressure on them because in a way, Newcastle need to win this more than us. It, it is definitely a game we need to win. But if New, you know Newcastle need to push us down and get up, they need they need these three points to keep building on the form they've got. If we win against them, that'll be that will be a massive blow to Newcastle at home as well. Yeah, I was going to say especially at home. And if if their fans, if we get if we get an early goal, if we go ahead and maybe even hold it to halftime, then their fans will start jumping on the backs of their own players. Yeah, because um, Villa fans now, I think we expect every result from now to be a loss just because of the way it's gone so far. Um, if we can scrap out something against Newcastle, there's no pressure on the players anymore. On our players, anyway. I mean, we are we are mostly doomed at this point. I mean, we still have the festive uh, fixtures to play, but at this point, we're twentieth with six points. We're a record-setting worst team. Um, there will certainly be more pressure on Newcastle to stay because there's two more teams that are going to get re- relegated if we go down, and there's no there's no guarantee that Newcastle won't be one of them. Yeah, exactly. <coughs> and like you're saying, with with all these fixtures coming up over the holiday period, if Villa can get a win get some confidence going and it's a quick turnaround to the next one and it's maybe that's just a blessing because you just get to keep that momentum going yeah you gotta keep it going but Newcastle I mean I don't want to handle them with kid gloves because they are a team of talent they are a team with uh, you know equally talented players as Aston Villa who have you know got this chemistry going and got this form under them so it is a team Aston Villa need to beat <coughs> but as I, as I keep saying I'll go back to it but the pressure is on Newcastle in this one you know, they'll be they're expected to crush us. The fans will want them to crush us, not just because of the footballing, you know, prizes it brings in that three points. It is a six point for Newcastle, the three points it takes away from us and the three points it gives to them. But also in the fact that, you know, we mocked them, we mocked them when they went down. There'll be so much pressure on them to win this match that it might, you know, be their own you know, might dig their own grave for them. Yeah, um I guess guess I'll start with some bad news. Um <laughs> These, in the last eight 
fixtures between these teams, Newcastle has not lost their five wins and we've just managed three draws. And in yeah. the last nine trips for Villa to St. James Park, uh, Villa are winless with three draws and six losses. Yeah, this would be the English equivalent of a West Coast NFL team playing an East Coast NFL team and having to fly over. It's a long journey to Newcastle from Birmingham. Um, yeah, the sure. equivalent except maybe about, what, 10% of the, the distance. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, it's amazing, isn't it, how you know, that, that sport can be played at such a high uh, physical level and they still perform where English teams can drop off after a trip to Newcastle. But yeah, um, it is that equivalent. It is a long on the motorway up there and it'll be a worse shut down if they lose. Um, yeah, they do need to pull something out of their bag here. Yeah, and but I guess on on the other hand, here's some good news. Maybe Aston Villa have won twice as many Premier League points <laughs> away for than at home to this season. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously being you know going down every game, I've not seen them win, and that's fantastic that they're grabbing points away from home. That's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it is good for this match. Uh, I'd like to see them on next home picture against West Ham that we can pick up some points. And Newcastle, I mean, uh, our away from. Uh, no, that's not been bad. Uh, I believe Southampton was a draw, and the draw before that, no, it was at home, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Burnmouth. <laughs> Burnmouth was the win opening day, and then the yeah. So at home for we drew City and Sunderland at home. That's miserable. Oh yeah, yeah, it is miserable at home. So hopefully that little bit. I can't. We can't even say how away form's good, is it? Actually, it's it's just no, as bad. It, it would be acceptable if we had. Maybe eight points at home, you know, and we're then we're just sitting. Yeah, but well, uh, I don't know about acceptable, almost acceptable. Yeah. But the stats are a bit inflated by the, that that opening day win, aren't they? Because we would have what like one draw away from home and two at home, two or three at. Yeah, what a what a joke! <laughs> yeah, really, oh, really need to get the the fans a win for Christmas on on Boxing Day against West Ham. That's that will be next after this, but um, I guess a f- couple final thoughts. I wrote a tactical preview. I really thought, yeah. I really think Adama Traore needs to get a chance to go from the yeah. start. He definitely does. I mean, people are saying he's raw, and that is something you hear time and time again. It goes to, it's synonymous with his name now. Adama is raw. You've got to give him a shot. We need, he has explosive pace. He has a, he seems to have a great finish about him. I mean, I mean, he hasn't scored much goals, but he seems to know where the goal is. You know, it's not like Scott Sinclair will be said kicking while they're whiffing on the ball. It's a guy yeah, who knows I where the goal is. Greediness is is good too. He he has the willingness to take players on and, and not to pass, but yeah. to, to be very like, direct. Like Gordon Gekko like greed is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yes, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean. You've got to give a time to play the ball. And if he's been greedy, that's fine. Uh, he, maybe he does need a bit more teamwork. But if he sees the goal and knows he can go for it, go for it. Uh, maybe he needs to change his decision from a shot to an inside pass a bit more often to make sure that someone gets the ball and scores. But yeah, um, we don't know what we can do. He's only put on put on for the time where he can be greedy, you know, in 80 minutes. Where he's only got one chance, so he needs to take it. And maybe if you see him for a whole match, we'll see a lot less of that greed. If we see him, you know, put in situations that are unfamiliar to him, where he needs to pass the ball, he needs to get away from the ball and make off the ball movements. 
uh, all we've seen so far is him being put on at the 90th minute or the 75th minute and only have a few chances go his way that he needs to take. Yeah, he's played just 94 minutes and six substitute Premier League appearances. So, yeah, yeah like, like you said, I guess if you're if you're only going to have one chance, you have to you have to try to take it. But he's shown that he can he can get to the byline and and win corners, which for this team set pieces have been somewhat of a strength. Yeah, I mean, um, we had like three or four in a row against Arsenal, and we didn't deliver on any of them, despite having two massive aerial presences in the form of Julian Lescott and Rudy Gisted. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'd like us to get more corners, but I'd also like us to actually take the ones we have already, you know, take an opportunity with them to score goals. We have had uh, Gisted at the start of the season and Lescott score from corners, but we should be certainly scoring a lot more from set pieces because those are definite chances. Yeah, and, and with Veritu, Veritu's a pretty good set piece taker, better than what Westwood had been, had been doing previously <laughs> in the first man. Um, yeah, another driven corner yeah. <laughs> into the front man. But, um, yeah, I guess another thing I wrote was that maybe maybe Westwood could come back into, into the team for either Sanchez or Ghana because they, yeah. were, they weren't great lately. No, um, Carlos Sanchez is playing his role as a body in midfield. He's not playing the role of a holding midfielder. He's just been a big person that can get in the way. And he needs a bit... He, he, you, know, you know he does have more. You've seen more from him. So, um, I mean, it may just be another dri- drop in form, but it's quite sort of the, the worst time for Villa. I mean, uh, ideally, I'd replace him with someone like Gary Gardner. Uh, I don't know what he'll do. But we need someone just in a more of a neutral role rather than just being a defensive mindset or an attacking mindset. Um Westwood again along the same lines is not he's neutral he's in the middle he can do both things equally as well um, so yeah I'm not sure maybe Carlos Hill I mean um, I remember Adam uh, Clark who does most of our tactical uh, tactical analysis on the blog uh, saying he'd like to see Hill uh, in a more deeper role where you can bring the ball from the defence into the attack and you know almost conduct or conduct or orchestrate attacking attacking movements. Yeah, I, I think that could work, but then you're probably going to have to leave Sanchez in there just as protection. Yeah, of course. Um, I would say, but yeah, um, but yeah, uh, I'd love to be, be able to, you know, have people we can rotate in for Ghana and uh, Sanchez, but it doesn't look like we've actually got that. Yeah, we unless, unless you really have have got uh, the trust, I guess, on, in Gary Gardner, and we did get a couple of Twitter questions asking about Gardner, so I guess getting to those, but. Yeah, I mean, and if you're going to give him a chance, why not now? Yeah, it comes from Josh Coy Mountford. That's a J, what is it? J O S H M twenty two on the Twitter, and uh, he's saying, "What's the situation with uh, Gary Gardner? And do you believe we'll see Jordan Norden this week, or will Gardner Gardner using the the exact same team? Um, Gardner's still injured, actually. Um, I'm not sure what the situation is there." But on the uh, Aston Villa website, he's still listed as uh, unavailable for this game, so he's just taking a bit longer to recover. He's got a history of injury problems, so it's fair enough that he's going to take a long time out. But Jordan Lydon, someone I'm really intrigued about, because he looks like someone who could come on for a player like Carlos Sanchez and play that role, like a defensive role that brings the, like, uh, brings the play to the attack. He can hold on to the ball and pass it. And looking at his highlights, uh, the highlights real from the under-21 performances, he does look like he's got a lot about him. He looks like almost a better Chris Hurd, which is someone we'd really need right now, someone you can put in different positions and tell to do different things and they do it. Yeah, someone 
like you're saying, because we need to, to have the ability to rotate the squad. And then if he's in that defensive midfield position to help protect that back four, which is certainly one of the weaker areas, even though Yoris Sikor has come back in, he's been yeah. good. Um, still Lescott, Lescott's in there with Michael Richards out for an extended yeah. period of time with that knee, which is a yeah, huge Scott in as well. Um, Michael Richards. Um, people, like as I said, people mock him from yeah, running up the centre with the ball, but no, all he, everything he does, uh, bleeds claret and blue in a way. He's, as I said last time I was on, um, he's a record, perfect representation of someone who's an Aston Villa fan playing for Aston Villa. He just wants to do well and make sure everyone else does well. Um, so it's and he's an excellent Santa. I hope everyone watched that video. <laughs> that was just hilarious. Him, yeah, then both and. Get them giving Grealish an inflatable mattress. Was... Goosen's accent was really jarring for me. It's like not American, but it's, it's like not... Brad Friedel's accent. Yeah, which is... Brad Friedel's was a lot more refined than Brad Goosen's. Though, like Brad Goosen sounds really common. <laughs> like it sounds really like whoa. Yes, <laughs> I didn't expect. It. I thought it'd be, have a bit of refinement about it, but it was really like whoa. This guy sounds like crazy. Like a pirate. <laughs> it did actually sound a bit like a pirate. I think I, I saw a tweet once uh, about Brad Friedel sounding like a pirate when he gets excited. But commentary. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think it's got to be weird if you you grew up somewhere and then you move somewhere else and and you don't yeah you don't know who to trust. I guess when it comes of how to talk. <laughs> Man, I I wish I still wish we had Brad Friedel. He was. Now, what would it be like to have a goalkeeper that can do it all, you know, distribute, hold the ball, orchestrate the defence? We haven't seen that in a long time. No, and, um, and really like I was mentioning it in my post, I wish we could get the Guzen back from a couple of years ago even because when yeah, when did stave off relegation, Brad Guzen was huge, even if his kicking was still terrible. Yeah, there was a, a general consensus that he was... If not the best keeper in the Premier League, in the top three, yeah, one one of those he was fantastic. He's pulling off highlight reel saves every every match, like two or three. Yeah, <laughs> um, he's. I mean, he's in terms of his shot stopping. As I said, it hasn't exactly decreased, but he seems unable to organise a defence at all. Or yeah. keep the ball. Which. I mean, I guess going back to last season, that was a big, big plus of Shea Given, but yeah, a massive plus. Um, but we don't have that anymore, do we? Uh, we have a backup keeper and a youth keeper, and Brad Guzer. We don't have an option. Uh, we do need to bring an option in. And uh, Sivaji from a uh, PSG. Uh, everyone seems to be heading in that general direction. Like Ashley Cole, where it seems like that could be a move that surfaces in January. I do not want Ashley Cole, and <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Mostly just because he's a 72 overall in FIFA, and that's that's not going to help me in the short term. But yeah, and also it looks like we are bringing back Ellie Sissoko from Porto. Oh, perfect. Well, in that case, uh, as I said, Ashley Cole was someone I wouldn't mind, but he's aging. Um, he'd have to gel into the Villa team. Um, I mean, the fact that he can play left back is a bonus because we actually don't have anyone who can play left back. Bakuna uh, is serviceable at the very least. But, yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see if, if Bakuna gets the nod again or, or Richardson. Yeah, I mean, there's no way, there's no comparison between the both. They just, uh, Bakuna's a lot more attacking whilst Richardson's defending. Um, as we see, 
with Hutton and Bakuna, they get caught out when they're overlapping and we can't, you know, finish that move. We can't get it out for a corner or a goal kick where there's a chance for them to move back. They always seem to be caught out up the pitch. And with Richardson, that's not so much of a problem. He seems to be able to track back quite efficiently, but it's just it's just when there's panic moments and panic sets in him and Joby and Lescott seem to not know what to do. Yeah, it's like their pants are on their head and the pants are yeah, exactly. It's not like <laughs> if I was Remy Gard in that situation, I wouldn't know who to choose because they both have their flaws, equally have their flaws. And it's like, who do I want to go with? Because anything could happen. <laughs> He's probably just sitting there like, can I just use no left back and use the other player somewhere yeah, else? Can't, can we just ask Newcastle not to use a right-sided mid, uh, a right winger so we can yeah. use a left back? That'd be fair. I like that. Uh, let's get to another question on Twitter, Jack, if that's okay. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Do you think that Kozak should have a get a go at Newcastle? That's from Dom Ledbetter. Sure. I mean, yeah, I, mean I thought he should not? get a chance why for not? a month, two months. <laughs> I don't know how long. I about saying um, the Kozak camp right now, it's either start him or just don't start him so we can sell him in January and get the money so we can replace him. Um, so there's a, there's a meant to be a bid coming in from the top-rated um, the top-rated Polish team, uh, the current Polish lead league, lead league, lead, lead, yeah, who make it. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully uh, someone could take him off our hands. But then I've seen the rumour of purchasing Saida Berahino. Which is clearly not going to happen. But yeah, yeah, the Kozak money, yeah. yeah, that's definitely not going to happen. But um, unless, unless yeah. we're sending Gabby to West Brom as make weight, which yeah, I mean, I think we just got to not play Kozak and sell him there. Uh, I think he's a great foot. I think he's a good footballer. He's a, certainly a service of a footballer, but I, he's not a, a part of the puzzle that leads to solving Villa's current situation. Um, is it? He's better than Gested, certainly, but. Gestead's not someone we can sell in January, and Kozak is. So, I think every, all the all the evidence leads to him pretty much being sold in January now. Yeah, I, the only reason I think he really deserves a chance is because that U21 game a couple weeks ago, he scored yeah. two unsavable goals. Yeah, and he, which, he, was, he linked up with Adama, if I remember correctly, he linked up with Adama, which makes... Yeah, like, why not just throw the U21 That makes sense. No. But yeah, it's clear that you know he's done nothing wrong, but it's clear that Aston Villa aren't the right club for him. Um, we're not if we're not going to play him now, we're never going to play him. Yeah. So it looks like he's gone in January. It makes perfect sense. We need to get as much you know uh, money from places as possible. So that's why we will likely see Gabby, Kozak, and Exobia go in in January to make a to get a backup left back, goal possibly a goalkeeper, and definitely a striker. Yeah, it's it'll definitely be. Interesting. Um, I think I think that's all we got. Uh, remember, match Saturday. It's at what five thirty GMT. Uh, yeah. Let me just double check. The late. It's the late match. I know. It's yeah. It's eleven thirty. Eastern. But um, yeah. That's. Uh, remember, still still follow us on on Twitter at seventy five hundred Holt and Facebook. Of course, James runs most of that over there. Yeah. So, come say hi. Bye. Yeah, please do, rather than swearing at me like everyone. <laughs> <laughs> please be nice. Yeah.
Yeah, um, Newcastle versus Villa, 5.30 GMT, so I guess that's it. Um, there's not much more we can actually analyse, which is quite unfortunate. It's not like there's nothing, anything different, is there, actually, Jack? No, no, probably not. And yeah. I don't know, we, we might have an episode for you next next week, I guess. What's that going to be, Christmas Eve? But yeah. I don't know, maybe if, if we lose to Newcastle, probably not. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to analyse on Christmas Eve. You know, we've got like three or four matches to go through. And I mean, if we lose to Newcastle, it's going to be a real... I, I think I'd be shaking when I was on it because I didn't, wouldn't want to predict anything. But yeah, that's... Uh, that I've got today, unfortunately, Jack. And and mostly because Robert's going to be in Hawaii and he does oh, most God. of the legwork as far as that up comes. <laughs> I keep forgetting about that. I keep forgetting about the guy <laughs> loads of stuff now. But he actually might go golfing with Alice Cooper, which what? <laughs> hopefully he does because can, that'd be insane. But Can he so. ask Alice Cooper if he wants to play striker for Aston Villa? <laughs> I think, why not? Might as well, but... Yeah. I think we're I think we're gonna end on that note. So for James Rushton, I'm Jack Grimsey. Thanks for listening to the whole cast. Thank you.